I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, superstition, adages, and the point at which routine starts to get in the way. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy. And this is episode 301, Superstitious. Find a penny, pick it up. Don't step on cracks in the sidewalk. Don't walk under ladders. Bad luck comes in threes. Knock on wood, make a wish on the wishbone and pull. Cross your fingers. Don't open an umbrella in the house. Four-leaf clovers. Friday the 13th, wish on a shooting star. Throw coins in a fountain for luck blow on dandelions. I both am and am not superstitious. How about you? How about you? Are you superstitious? More and more, I realize how many times adages come to mind when I think about the podcast. Maybe it is a sign of age. Maybe it is just a sign of my age. Maybe kids of my generation are saddled with superstitions and adages. I don't know. And there's definitely some crossover between those. Crossover between superstition, sayings about superstition, and general adages, little snippets of wisdom or superstition. Maybe it is just me. A walking adage, I might be exactly that. I never knew that about myself, but more and more I see it. I might be that. I heard one the other day, though, that I did not know. I heard one while playing HQ, which is our 6 p.m. daily trivia game, and sometimes noon. If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I had never heard that saying before, and it definitely leaves me with some things to think about, but definitely that one was new to me. Even so, walking adage, I think... It might fit if the shoe fits. Exactly. If the shoe fits, a stitch in time saves nine. A penny saved is a penny earned. But throw salt over your left shoulder or worry when your palms itch. Nah. Nah. Not me. Walking adage, maybe, but not overly superstitious. Not superstitious except for those weird little games that we play in our heads Like when walking and pacing our steps to walk over the cracks. One, two, three, over the crack. One, two, three, over the crack. Shortening or lengthening stride and step over the crack. Or things like find a penny, pick it up. Because really, why risk it? Why risk it? Find a penny, pick it up. Not superstitious. But I do have a practical streak that sometimes says, if it ain't broke... Or, why mess with a good thing? And that's what today is about. Ways in which we can get superstitious on a personal level. By getting too caught up in routine, too fixed in our patterns, our methods, and our approach. It's both a good thing, a good thing to get to that point where we really enjoy what we're doing and we like what we're doing and we have a set way of doing it, a set of tools that we use, a time and place and energy and mode, a way of being, a way of creating. That's a good thing. 
And yet, it's a slippery slope. There's just a little bit of space between it being a good thing and potentially being a bad thing. Why mess with a good thing? It's tricky. Trickier than it seems. Are you just trying to get somewhere? And once you get there, you stay. You stay. You keep doing exactly what you do because you reached that place. So you do it again and again and again and you don't change. Or are you on a journey? And there is no definitive destination. Why mess with a good thing? Tricky because the only way to change and to grow may be to be willing to mess with the good thing. To keep shifting and pushing and trying new things, learning new things, exploring new things, asking what if or how or why. But the flip side, why mess with a good thing? If what you're doing is working and makes you happy, then why mess with it? Why change? Why risk messing with it? You twist that just a bit and you may end up with a scenario where you are afraid to try new things because what is working for you works. That's one angle to this. There are lots of angles to this conversation, but that's one angle. And it's an important angle because it's really easy to get caught up in and trapped by our own routine, especially when we think what we're doing is working. When it's working, it's even harder to step outside the box or to change the box, or to push one side or one edge or straddle a line. I was thinking about this recently with my nightly drawing, and I wasn't really thinking about trying something new. So that is a different angle to all of this. That's not really where I was at, though. I was thinking more about my own routines and my own approach. Trying something new that's definitely been on my mind, coupled with the idea of being pigeonholed, I think that can make it really hard to experiment, very hard, in fact, to do work that is outside of what you normally do or how people understand you or what people somehow expect from you. Makes it very hard to be a beginner. So that's a discussion for another day. But today, this idea of routine and routine that you get just a little bit superstitious about. Why mess with a good thing? Kick it up just a notch. Not why mess with a good thing because I like what I'm doing. But instead, why mess with a good thing? What if I'm able to produce this good thing only because of X and Y and Z? What if I'm able to produce this good thing because of these specific variables and I need to do these specific variables, have these in play every time, because if I don't, I'm afraid it might not work. Maybe what I'm doing really is a factor of this certain combination, this ratio of variables. Routine. How do you create? Are there things you do to set the stage? Do you work at a certain time, a certain place, certain elements that contribute to this thing you do? Things that you do over and over that are part of how you would say, I always do this. Thinking about pens and paper is what led me to this podcast episode, to this moment in time and in thought and space. 
But once I backed out of that, backed out of the pen and paper element, I started thinking more about routine and about how all of this really is about routine. Writers often have set routines. For example, they write in a certain place or in a certain way or only at certain hours. I know there's a bathtub story out there. Maybe you have to have music on, or maybe you always listen to a certain playlist. Maybe you always make a cup of tea before you start, or maybe you always pull back the curtains. For me, there probably are a few variables, but none of them are ones to which I am super attached in terms of time or space. I think the variables may be accidental, even though they look like routine, but I was thinking about getting attached to certain pins and to the paper in a certain sketchbook and to working a certain size, so attached that you hesitate to use or do something else. And that's it. So attached that you hesitate to use or do something else. And I think that this kind of hesitation may be especially strong when you only do one thing a day like me. So we may all feel a similar hesitation, especially when we're doing something we love. It can be harder to experiment, maybe. But if it's the only thing you're going to do in a day, it may be even more difficult than if you are someone who works on five or six or 10 things in a day. If you have more time, then it might be a little easier to say, okay, I'll try something different on this one because if it doesn't work, I'll still do something else. But for me right now, I'm only going to do one thing. I really have owned up to that. I'm only going to manage one thing a day. That's it. I'm not going to work on four or five drawings a day. And so I am seeing that I am reluctant to experiment, reluctant to explore, reluctant to deviate from what is right now my norm. If it works, why change it? Well, of course, there are other things I'd like to try. That is why you change it. And if it is a journey without a set destination, I may be at one place right now, but it's not the end point. It might feel like it, but it is not necessarily the end point. You have to make room for change, but it's really hard because if it's working, why change it? I keep wanting to try another black ink, for example. I don't know specifically what I want or what qualities I want or what it is that works about what I have right now. I don't really know if I want a blacker ink or a lighter ink. I have no idea. I have thought about it and I cannot figure out exactly what it is that I want in terms of characteristics. I've done a lot of research. I've read a lot of charts. I've looked at some videos. I don't have the ability to just go out and buy a bunch of bottles of ink, and I don't think I would want that anyway. So I haven't been able to sort out what I want, and I can't really express what it is that I like about what I have. And given that what I have works, I don't even know why I keep wanting something new. What I have works. What is it about me that always wants something different? Maybe it's because I don't think it's an ink I would have bought. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just curiosity. I keep thinking that if I had picked my own, I might have chosen something different. Maybe something else would be even better. The allure of the unknown, the grass is always greener scenario. 
grass is always greener, a walking adage indeed. But even though I keep thinking I want a new ink, I keep refilling with this same bottle of sailor ink that I have. Now, my current drawing is pretty ink intensive. I do a lot of hatching. I am really shading with ink the way some people shade with graphite. So I do use a lot of ink. And right now, I do one drawing a day, I draw at night, and pretty much on average, every two nights, I need a refill. So every two nights, I go and I refill from the same bottle. And I marvel every time at how long a bottle of ink lasts. And I marvel at the sheer engineering and mechanics of the bottle of ink anyway and the way it all works. But how long it lasts is mind-boggling to me, really. As much black ink as I use, and I'm still using this same bottle since October, at least. I've been using the same ink. How can ink manufacturers even stay in business? If everyone really only bought a bottle of ink and used it until they finished it, it would be a very different thing, I'm sure. I think there is some chance that I have a magical, never-ending bottle of ink. I also think I'm probably going to celebrate. I'm going to feel a real badge of something when I actually finish this bottle of ink. It's going to be noteworthy, and it's going to be worth celebration. There's a stick-with-itness to using this bottle. So that's part of it, and that's a good thing. But I've still been wondering about other inks what I might try and would it make a difference? Would my work be even better if I switched ink? If I tried some of the fancy inks that I hear everybody talk about? So since October, same bottle of ink and surprisingly variable number two, the same pen. You can see how we're creating a little box here, right? Same ink, same pen. It's a Lamy, a Lamy with an EF nib, a Lamy with a black EF nib. Now, I have other fountain pens. I do. I don't have another one with exactly these same characteristics, though. I have other fountain pens, and I think now and again that I should draw with another pen, that I should shift. I should try other ink. I should try a different pen. I should sample other colors. I have samples of other colors. I have samples in blue. I should draw in color. I could use the same pen and use color, change just one variable, the ink. Can I even imagine a series in color? Or I could change the pen, make that the variable and use the same ink. Or I could change both, but I am afraid. Something about this combination has been working. I think my work has grown in these months. I think it's changed. I think it's evolved. I think I am on a journey, but I'm on a journey right now that relies upon the same pen and ink. At least that's my fear. My fear is that what I'm doing is a result of specific pen and ink. Why change what's working? Every night, same fountain pen, same ink. This pen and ink combo, it's reliable. I know how it does and doesn't flow. I know how to get lighter lines and how to get crisp patching. I know there's often a dry feeling to the line work. I wonder if another pen or ink combo would have 
different flow, too much flow? Would I be able to control it? Would it be too dark? Would I be able to get the lights? I know that when I first fill this pen, everything is darker and heavier than I want. And that when the pen is running a little low or somehow seems a little drier, I can get some of the nicest and lightest tone and cross hatching. I know that part of my shading and hatching takes advantage of what could almost be a lack of flow, almost a skip. I wonder about other pens. Would I be able to do what I'm doing right now? And especially about other inks. But every night, a hundred or so, maybe a hundred and fifty drawings in this time span. Same ink, same pen. It's a combination that's working. Even though there is this restless itching, this bit of curiosity, I keep sticking with the combo because it works. And the subtext there again is maybe I can only draw this way because of this pen and ink combo. Before this, I was using a different pen, another pen with a very fine nib, and I really enjoyed it and enjoyed what I was doing. But even that, I'm a little hesitant to switch back. Something feels different with this combo. Not superstitious, but why change what works? But the paper, the paper, that has shifted and that has continued to shift. And that shifting each time has been a little bit scary. So like a good scientist, I guess I have changed one variable at a time over time. Back in October, I was working in a pentallic journal that I liked a lot. It was small, but I liked the thickness of the paper. I am a fan of Bristol board and the paper in that sketchbook was thick. It had a nice bright white and a smoothness that brought Bristol to mind for me. I liked it. I used it. I filled it. I filled it. So as you've probably gathered through all these shows, I don't buy a lot of things at this point. I use what I have for as long as I can. So when I filled the pentallic, I had to figure out what to use next. So I picked up a sketchbook that was a gift. It's spiral bound, assorted papers. It's not the kind of book I would ever buy, but it was on my shelf. It was available. It was there. And some of these pages had printing on them and some were different in tone and color. Some had an odd perforation line across the top. Ultimately, spiral is not always my favorite. I think it might have been just this spiral that wasn't my favorite, but spiral's not always my favorite. And when I switched into this sketchbook, I was finicky. I didn't want to draw on some of the pre-printed pages because that would really change somehow the kind of drawings I'm doing right now. And the paper was thin. It was thin. That was really the first hurdle. The first hurdle is that it was so thin. I wasn't sure about working on thin paper, on regular paper. What if what I'm doing right now requires this pen, this ink, and a specific kind of paper? These are the games we play in our head, and these are the ways that we get caught up and ensnared by our own routines. So switching scared me, but it was a good thing to do. And basically, it worked. I skipped pages that I didn't want to use, and that was okay. I drew a dozen or so drawings on the other pages, and this book was bigger too, so I jumped both thickness of paper to a thinner page, and I jumped size. 
And I got used to it. I got used to the paper. I got used to the size. I settled in. I found that ink worked the way I wanted it to on this paper. I found that the size was nice. It gave me more room, which was suddenly a luxury. I even decided that the ink might be working better on this paper than on the thicker paper, that there was a difference to the quality of line and the quality of hatching. Something was different. Was it the size? Was it the paper? And then, even with more room on the page, I hit a drawing that just didn't fit. It was a drawing I really wanted to do. It allowed me to check off the box on one of my monthly thematic goals, but it didn't fit. It didn't fit in this sketchbook. I can't scale my drawing down in a way that would make it work. So my first drawing of an inspiration photo didn't fit on the page. So I thought, I want to do this, so let me pull out a bigger pad of Bristol and see what happens. And it still took me two tries to make it fit. And after I did that drawing, I stuck with the Bristol. I was back in my comfort zone of this thicker page, and I enjoyed the even larger space. It took me a bit to adjust my pen and ink to the surface of Bristol after working on the other paper, but it worked out. It worked out. My drawings continued to be my drawings. Everything was okay. So I did the next few nightly drawings on Bristol, and then I ran out. Now, on those pages, I had started adding a bit of ballpoint back into my mix again, and I know how ballpoint works on Bristol. It's a good combination for me. At least that's what I've always thought. So I hated when I finished that pad and went looking because I thought we had another pad of Bristol on the shelf. I went looking, but I totally struck out. I hated that. So what to use? Same pen, same ink, and a search for paper. So the next night, I grabbed what I found, which was a pad of drawing paper that I found on the shelf. My son has had to buy assorted things each year for school that unfortunately, haven't gotten used or haven't gotten fully used. So I found a bigger pad of drawing paper on the shelf. It's 11 by 14, but it's drawing paper. It's thin, or at least it felt thin to me that first night. Compared to Bristol, it felt thin. Now, I've since realized that it happens to be a pad of nice, thick drawing paper, and that there is a difference, a world of difference between pads marketed as sketching versus drawing. I have spent a lot of time looking at descriptions and paperweights since then. But that night, all I could tell was that this new pad that I was pulling out suddenly felt way different than the Bristol. It didn't have the thickness or the smoothness of Bristol. It was an 11 by 14. So I was jumping and switching size again. The size didn't worry me though, as much as the paper itself gotten more used to size shifts. And that's a good thing. That also shows me that we do adapt. But the paper, what if my ink wouldn't work on the paper the way that I like? What if something about the paper that I've been using lets me get the kind of line range that I think is so central right now to my approach to pen and ink? And since I'd been using ballpoint again, what if ballpoint won't work on this paper in the way that I know it works on Bristol? I was really hesitant, really hesitant but I plunged on. The first drawing on that paper was a TV character. Last month, I finally started doing this thing that I want to do or that I was thinking that I want to do, that I thought I wanted to do. 
And I started with a TV series that we watched recently. The first character I did in that spiral sketchbook. The second character I did on this big pad of drawing paper. Now, this pad is far too big for me just to hold in my lap. So I got out Matthew's artboard, which I've used before. It's grubby. It's grungy. It's kind of got a super ick factor for me. It's big. But it allows me to use this size of a pad. So I got it out. I clipped my pad to the board and then juggling the dog in my lap, which is part of this whole scenario, and juggling the board and making it all fit and finding an angle that I can work and that she doesn't get crushed, I drew the character. I did the pencil drawing first and I asked my son, do you know who this is? And he looked over and he said, Steve? No, not Steve. But that he thought Steve meant that something about the drawing was on track. So I took a little bit of comfort in that because it had brought the right show to mind. Wrong character name at right show. So I kept working. And once I started with ink, I laid it aside. And looking over at it, I asked again, you really don't think this looks like someone? Because at this point, pretty much, I think most of my drawings look pretty much like who they're supposed to look like. You really don't think this looks like someone? He looked over again. And first he said, Steve, again. And then he said, it's Lip. Yeah, it's Lip. It's the eyes, he said. He's got those sad eyes, hound dog eyes. I kept working, and the ink worked. Two nights later, I drew another character from the same show on the same paper with the same pen and the same ink. And at that time, I still thought that I didn't like the thinness of the paper, but it was working. So I drew. I got a late start at it. There had been teens in my house most of the night. And so I did my pencil drawing in another room while I listened to a book on tape. My routine was altered. My timing was different. Listening to a book on tape is becoming a new thing for me while I draw. But I didn't start inking until later that night when we watched TV and we were watching Game of Thrones, finally catching up and suddenly hooked again. And I inked my character from the series I was doing, watching how the ink worked on the paper And when I got done, I carried the board to set it on the table out of reach of the then new foster. And as I walked by, my younger son said, Frank. And I stopped and I turned to where he was sitting and I said, you knew it was Frank? He said, yeah, looks like Frank. Little things. They don't say much about what I draw. They're just used to the fact that I do it. But that they can tell who I've drawn? I think that says something. I'm really, I'm taking that and I'm running with it. I'm going with it. So the shift in paper, small to bigger to even bigger to big, that has worked. It works. I've gone from about four by six to 11 by 14 and I've gotten really attached to the size, to the big size. And I've actually gotten pretty attached to this drawing paper, to this pad, to its size and to this paper itself. I think maybe it's an even better match for the way I want my ink to flow or not flow. And that really should tell us that getting stuck in a rut is really a bad thing because really the grass might be greener. If I had stuck resolutely to just Bristol, I might have never known. I'm still not a fan of how thinner paper feels. I worry about it. It just doesn't feel as durable to me. But I like how things are working out with this kind of paper I wonder sometimes what it would be like to go even bigger. Now, I do have to admit, I know there is a big pad, an even bigger pad. 
in a drawer so big that it has to be laid flat so it doesn't warp or really bend. And I think that one might be Bristol. It's really big. But I think my line might not work that big. I think there's a reality to that. A maximum size maybe for how I use line. I don't know. And that would require an even bigger board. And light would be an issue for sure. And the dog. And I mean, I just don't think the dog would work. I don't know. But, you know, bigger might be worth trying. At some point, there is an artist I follow who does pieces that are taped to the wall. Huge pieces in pen and ink. I don't even know how you get started that way. Well, first, you have to have a wall. I don't have a wall. I definitely don't have a wall. But if you have a wall, you have to get started that way. What would make you try it? Think about it. You'd have to hold your pen at a very different angle. Actually, I can think of watching a show about another artist, someone I like a great deal, who also works on wall-sized pieces. She does maps on wall-sized pieces. Working on a wall, that would be a big jump. I think my arm would constantly be asleep. But a little bigger than I'm doing right now, yeah, I can see that. And there are gradients in size. You can go from 11 by 14 to 11 by 17. There's 18 by 24, and you can keep going up. At the start of the month, though, for whatever reason, I thought, you know, I'm getting too wrapped up in big drawings. Maybe I'm spending too much time. Maybe I'm not getting better because I still can't rein things in smaller. So after giving it a lot of thought, I thought, you know, I want to really simplify everything. And I'm going to just work in this oversized field note. And I partly thought that would be so cool because I could put it in my traveler's notebook. I have a pocket size, a field note size. And I had been using an oversized field note for my lists and journaling. And it's bigger than my traveler's cover, but kind of liked it. It sticks out. It's a make-do, can-do, everyday carry. And I kind of liked that idea. And I thought I could use this for a whole month. I could use this blank oversized field note for my drawings. Really switch things up. And I did the first drawing that way. I did the first one, really just one. And it felt so small. And I actually was really in an odd mindset that night and used a lot of ballpoint and did a very unusual drawing and headed right back into my routine, right back. The entire combination, just it didn't work for me right now. Headed right back to the big paper. I still want to fill that smaller blank and some month it will be right. And as I head into spring and early summer, most likely I will be working on index cards for a while. So I know I will continue to shift size. Right now, though, my brain needs the space. I need space to draw what I see. And then I finished the pad of 11 by 14. I searched everywhere. On more than one day, I searched. I've searched all the bookshelves more than once, rifling through things, because I really felt like there were lots of odds and ends pads of paper, and there don't seem to be. Gradually, I understood that I think I've used up all the rogue pads. So as I approached the end of that 11 by 14, I was looking, trying to figure out what I'm going to use and what to do. I debated about paper for days. I debated about sketch pads versus drawing pads and spiral bound versus not and 11 by 14 versus 9 by 12, 70 pound versus 80 pound versus 90 pound, Bristol, vellum, smooth, endless. These are the mental loops I get stuck in that become endless. 
I debated. And part of me, as I kept thinking, you know, this paper was 90 pound and this other paper someone had mentioned as being suitable for ballpoint and fountain pen was 80 pound. And I kept thinking, well, even the 90 feels a bit thin to me. Maybe I should stick with 90, but you only get 24 sheets, which is not enough for a month. And I don't really want to have to buy a pad of paper every 24 days. But I could not make myself go back and order a sketch pad, which would have a whole bunch of pages. I just, I don't think I can work with the thin. Even right now on everything I work in, I don't use the back side. I don't like to see the work through on each side. I really have been getting finicky and set in my ways. And as I debated all these papers, I kept thinking, where's the girl who drew for months and months on composition books? Where did she go? When did you get so fussy about the paper? When did your work become so precious? So I have done a lot of thinking about that. I did order a pad of something because I actually ran out of paper. I had to find and use a random one-off sheet of paper for the night in between while I waited on paper to arrive. But I am thinking about what has happened to that composition book mentality and how I've gotten so wrapped up in this one a day. I understand the one a day is partly an issue of time, but I'm wondering if I am stuck in a box in a different way right now too. But to finish this conversation, you know, I might be able to shift sizes and papers and adapt. Experiment, explore, see what's going on. I'll have to use the whole pad of whatever I buy in terms of paper. I know that. But I feel confident that I can shift paper. For the inking, for the black part of it, I'm going to have to use this pen. This fountain pen with its black EF nib. And there's the superstition because I have a number of pens. But there's something wrapped up in this pen and ink combo in my head. And I don't know right now that I can use something different. It's not the pen I would have chosen. It's not the ink I would have bought. Some nights I do add ballpoint, yes. And some nights I still do just ballpoint because that is also a monthly tick off the box for me. But when it comes to these regular drawings, these fountain pen drawings, that pen, this ink, there's the superstition. I don't need to wear special socks or drink from a certain cup. I don't have to start my drawing at eight. I don't have to have a dog in my lap. I finally realized I don't even have to have a certain kind of paper. But this pen, this ink, yeah, maybe. It's kind of funny when you think about it. And I know it isn't true, of course. It isn't true. I could challenge it. I could buck the system. I could use a different pen tonight. I could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meh, you know, but maybe it is true. Maybe. And you know what? It would only take one drawing to be able to tell. Or maybe two. Or maybe three. And if you do four or five, then suddenly you have a new set of variables, a new set of drawings, probably they would still look like me. Eventually I'll switch. Eventually I'll run out of this ink or I'll try this ink in another pen or I'll try some samples. Maybe recording this show will make me switch. Talking about this out loud, I'm thinking again about colors. For some odd reason, I have a number of samples of ink in color and especially a bunch of blue. And I actually inked two fountain pens this month in blues, different blues for note-taking and to-do lists and things like that, not for drawing. 
Both of those pens have very nice nibs. One of them is very fine. I've never actually tried to draw with it. I could do color. There was a sketchy artist last month who did this amazing 30 days in color, and he did them in waves so that at the end it was almost a rainbow of drawings through the month. It was really wonderful. I see lots of people who use color, who do amazing drawings in color, and I can't quite wrap my head around it. I think I would like it, and then I try to picture one of my drawings just in color, and I can't quite see it. I'm really attached to black. It feels like me. It feels like me even when I know that I will never really reach people because I like black and white so much, and that's never going to be quite the same as full color. But if it works and it makes you happy, why mess with it? Is it a journey to an end point or is it a journey? What do you lose by experimenting? Even if you can only do one thing a day, so what? You try something and it doesn't come out great. What do you lose? What happens when you toss all the variables in the air and see where they fall? Are you superstitious about something in your own routine? Sometimes when you step outside or make a little change, you might be surprised at how it goes. And it might also be liberating, freeing to find that you have it in you and it isn't just about the tools. Something to think about. I am the art. The art is me. That is it for today. That is it for episode 301. Thank you for tuning in and for listening to this show. I am Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidless. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy. You can find me in the Creativity Matters group at Facebook, which is a private group you do need to request to join. I will be running the CMP List Challenge in April, and I hope you will consider doing that. There is a sign-up link on the website if you want to receive email each day about the daily challenge, the daily list prompt. So I hope you will consider doing that in April. Thank you to those of you who support the show in one way or another. Thank you especially to those of you who are at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. And thank you to those of you too who have used the coffee link to also support the show. Remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a great week, everyone.